Amen. Thank you, guys. So, um, get the honor and privilege of being able to do this, and just want to say uh, very grateful for Pastor Levi and for him doing this each and every Sunday, uh, three times a Sunday. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing, not because it's hard to get up here and talk for three times, but because of the weight and the responsibility that lays in this, and so I'm very grateful that he would uh, trust me with that and very excited to be able to share with you this morning. I actually want to share something with you that a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night I had the opportunity to share with our students, and... Um, I don't know, I just felt it was timely to be able to share it again, and, and really just, um, it's kind of been something that stuck with me, and I thought, you know, I want to I share it with you. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 is where we're going to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. We're going to read that together. So once you get that, if you don't mind, go ahead and stand in honor of God's Word as we read aloud. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 7. Y'all ready to go? Awesome. Two of you. Here we go. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort and which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Father, thank you for your word, how it teaches, how it trains, how it rebukes, how it reproofs. It is profitable for all things because it is, is breathed out by you. And so, Father, we pray that the word would speak uh, boldly in our hearts this morning, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated if you'd like. Or you can stand the entire time. It's okay, too. I'm standing, you know. So um, when, uh, when I was uh, younger in elementary school, it seemed like there was this real big push during then and, uh, to do uh, this one thing on the screen, this image. Y'all know what this image is? Recycle. Uh, now, I know, we, I know we've been recycling for forever. Like, I mean, they've gone back and archaeological finds show that people have been recycling for a long time. Even rednecks have been recycling for a really long time, too. I mean, the ability for somebody to take a chair and turn it into a boat somehow, it's amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen like, pictures of that on the internet, but it's incredible what a redneck can do with just a, some duct tape and a, uh, a chair. But anyway, we've been re recycling for uh, a really long time, and it's just kind of part of it. But when I was in elementary school, there seemed to be like this big push to like for us to learn what it meant to recycle. You know, it wasn't necessarily something that they taught in class, but I remember talking about it and uh, hearing a little bit about this idea about recycling. So, you know, they said we should recycle because it's important. You know, it saves the earth. It, um, you know, it helps make things better. You know, they, whatever they told us when we were little, and you know, we believed them. Like, oh, that makes sense. You know, also told us, you know, if we don't, like, we're all going to live in trash piles in the next ten years, and I, you know, but whatever. So uh, we decided, hey. Let's give it a try. So uh, me and my brothers, uh, we got our mom and dad to purchase us one of these. Anybody ever seen one of these before? The Crusher. Yes, it is the Crusher. So the Crusher um, is something that we use to recycle um, one pretty prominent thing within a house, an aluminum can. I don't know if y'all have ever seen these before, but you know, most people just crush an aluminum can the normal way. You know, you just crush it with your hands. But we felt it was necessary since we were going to... Uh, recycle and make a lot of money off recycling, that uh, we would crush aluminum cans. So you just take the aluminum can and, and then you would, you know, you'd put it in the, in the thing, in the crusher, and you'd like mount it on the wall and so it wouldn't be near as hard. You know, I'm just not trying to embarrass Pastor Levi and look really strong while he's not here. But 
So then it you know, turns into that, and then you put it in a black bag or whatever bag you want to put in. We would put it in, in black trash bags, and then you would take it to the recycling center, and then you would recycle it, and then you would get money in return. So we thought it was a cool thing because, one, they were telling us, hey, we should recycle because it's a good thing to do. So we're like, okay, that's that. That's cool. And then we found out that if you recycle, uh, you can turn this in for money. So we were stoked. Uh, it was me and my two brothers, and uh, you know we were little, and, and I think I was probably around 10, 11, or 12, somewhere around there when we started this process. And So all summer long, we collected cans. And uh, we would take the cans home, we'd put them in our washroom at the house, and then after we got so many cans, we'd go in there and we'd take a can out, we'd put it in the crusher, we'd take a can out, we'd put it in the crusher, and we did that for about three months. So after three months were over, we had these big lawn bags of uh, crushed aluminum cans. So we gave them to mom, and she took them to the recycling center, and she was going to turn those cans, uh, she was going to take them and turn them in, and then they were going to give her just boo-coodles of money for all those cans that, that uh, that we had crushed. And so we had pretty much planned out our retirement at age 11. Like, uh, we were like, hey, we, you know, we're going you know, to go ahead. This is what we're going to do when we're old. We're going to go ahead and pay for mom and dad's house. And, you know, I'm 11, but I'm going to go ahead and buy my car. You know, so like that, that was pretty much what we were going to do with the money that we had raised. Well, she came back, and I remember uh, I was actually talking to her last night. They were in town. I was like, mom, do you remember the first time that we recycled cans? And you went out, and, like, you took our cans for us, and, and uh, you came back, and you gave us, like, $15 that they had gave, given you because of all the cans. And she said, yeah, and I can't. I you know, I've, life lesson, you know, kind of one of those things where you think one thing's going to go one way, but like you're really surprised when it goes another way. I was completely astounded that all of that hard work and sweat and blood and tears that we had put into crushing cans, and we got $15 worth out of three months of work. And I just remember thinking, I'm never doing this again. And then sometimes when I you know, you know, see other like littler kids now that do the recycling thing, I'm like, hey, bro, you just don't get your hopes up. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's not going to go as well as you think it will. Um, or, or even when you take the money to the thing in the store where it, like, you put the money in and it, it uh, gives you cash back or either, you know, it can um, put it in the little coin wrap things, whatever. You know, like, you, it takes money from you to do that. You know, that's a hard lesson to learn, too, when you put money in there and then it takes some of your money to do that. That was, that was tough. But anyway, I um, don't know why I told you that. So one of those things that we learned, like, you know, life... You think life's going to go one way, but then uh, in reality, like, it goes another way. And and in light of, like, what we're talking about this morning, and as I was reading the text in preparation for kind of thinking through it, like, this came to mind, this idea of, you know, life is a lot like this aluminum can in the sense that we expect it to go one way, and then life hands us junk, and we don't know what to do with it. And by junk, I'm talking about pain and suffering and spiritual attack and, and, and strife and troubles and, and difficulties in life that we face, because that's what the text is referring to. You know, life, life we think should go one way, but in reality, we more than likely maybe feel a lot like this aluminum can, crushed by the things that are happening to us or around us, crushed by the idea that somebody close to us just told us that they had cancer. And so our foundation and, and, and trust in Jesus is shaken. Trust, uh, trust in Jesus is shaken, and we don't really understand, you know, why is, why is life a lot like this aluminum can? You know, when we've decided, you know, maybe as parents to raise our kids in a godly way for them to be peculiar and different in the world, but then as they grow older, they're only ostracized because of their choices to live for Jesus. And then as a parent, we're kind of like, oh, you know, I really don't like that. And or, or, or maybe, you know, even as a college student, you've chose to live in a different way in a college environment, and you 
feel the, the, the pain and the persecution that comes with, you know, being a little bit different than, than everybody else. Or maybe in your job, maybe you've hit a ceiling as far as promotion goes because you know you're not getting promoted because you're a Christian and because you've chosen to live out like Jesus in front of others. And so your boss or your boss says they don't like you, so they're not going to move you forward in the company. You know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that happens to us and around us that deal with pain and discomfort. But one of the things that I've noticed about that in my life, and as well as like looking at this text this morning and also looking at other texts in Scripture where we see people going through the same stuff, whether it's spiritual attack, whether it's persecution, or whether it's pain and discomfort, even like Paul experienced when he said, you know, I've got a thorn in my side. I don't know what to do with it. Lord, will you remove it? But, you know, whatever you, you do with what you want because your power is made perfect in my weakness. Like we, we see that, and like one of the things that I've noticed about pain and suffering is that our response to pain and suffering is indicative of our theology. The way that we choose to respond to pain and suffering in this world uh, shows what we think about Jesus. It's true. I mean, if you, if you just read the New Testament, you'll see it's true. If you'll just pay attention to these few verses that we're going to read here again in just a second, you'll see that the way we respond to pain and suffering in our life and around us shows what we think about God. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says, examine yourselves and test your faith. He says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. He says, test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Paul was writing to the second Corinthians to let them know, like, hey, the, the, you need to have genuine faith. And in writing this, there's a few other times other than in first Corinthians or second Corinthians chapter one, where Paul is saying an evidence of genuine faith is how you handle pain and suffering in your life. What you choose to do with it and how you choose to respond will give evidence to what you think about Jesus. So my, my question is, like, how, how do you respond? What do you do? And thankfully, you know, from the life of, of Paul, as well as so many other saints that, have, that God has given us testimony to in the Scripture, like, we have an indication of like, our response in pain, in suffering, in temptation, in strife, and difficulties. And so go back with me. Let's look over the text again. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7. It says, Blessed be... God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's just stop there for just a second. How many of you, when you know someone who's going through a difficult time, or you're going through a difficult time on your own, and you're talking about it with somebody, how many of us like start the conversation off with, you know what, blessed be God, let me tell you about my hard situation? Very rarely. But here we see Paul introducing the topic of pain and suffering and the comfort that the Lord gives through that, and he starts out with, Blessed be the God of our Father. I think, we, I think we've got, can we get that on the screen so we can look at that? In verse 4 it says, who comforts us in all our affliction. Now here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to split the room in half. So you, you guys over here, y'all are the comforters, all right? So we're going to read the text one more time. And every time we read the text and we hear the word comfort, I want you to just count for me, okay? So just like hold up the number. So keep count. Now, you guys over here, um, sorry, you get the bad end of the stick. Uh, you're like the people who have to count the affliction, okay? So, uh, got some strong, strong-willed people there. There we go. So, you count affliction, suffering, anytime we see that in these verses, all right? So, here we go. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which you ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. 
If we are afflicted, did y'all get the sufferings part just the last one ago? Okay, just making sure. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when we patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is, is our hope is in for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. All right, here's the test. How many comforters? Ten. All right, afflictioners. Seven. I don't know if that's a word. I made it up. Seven. Seven. Okay, I think that's what we got last time as well. So, two important words. Comfort and affliction, or suffering, however you want to say it. Now, Paul actually uses three different words to talk about the word uh, affliction and pain and suffering here, but we're just going to kind of all lump them together in one. So, ten and seven. So, what's interesting is uh, Paul is making it pretty obvious that there's two realities in life. You know, one, uh, there's going to be some affliction. There is some affliction. We're experiencing, you're experiencing it. But two, there is comfort in that. And so my, my question was, like reading this, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, so what is going on? Like, why, why is Paul talking about this? Why is this the first thing? Well, you've got a group of people that are baby Christians. They're in Corinth, and they, um, they, don't, they don't know a, a whole lot. We just sang that song uh, a minute ago where it says, uh, you know, I feel like I'm born again. You know, and Jesus, when he talks to uh, Nicodemus in the middle of the night, and Nicodemus is asking how to enter heaven, and, and uh, Jesus says, you must be born again. You know, it's really neat to see how uh, in the uh, New Testament it shows, uh, uses this idea of like new Christians are kind of like babies. And so when you're born again, you kind of don't know a whole lot about Jesus. And so you're kind of learning just like a baby is learning every day as it goes. So there's a bunch of those in Corinth. They're new Christians. They don't know a whole lot. They haven't experienced a whole lot in life as a Christian. So they're learning how to live their faith out in a culture that is adverse, completely adverse to what they believe. And so uh, Paul is saying and sharing with them, like, hey, blessed be God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So they're experiencing persecution. They're experiencing pain, discomfort, and, and the Let's just face it, the reality, the truth, that sometimes when you live for Jesus, it's not as okay as you thought it was, or maybe other people make it out to be. And then Paul, on the other hand as well, he's experiencing some stuff too. How do we know that? In verse 8. In verse 8 he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's, that's, That's rough stuff. I mean, for somebody to say, like, we don't want y'all to be ignorant. Like, we, we were facing some, some pretty harsh things while we were in Asia. And when he's talking about Asia, he's talking not about China. He's talking about kind of modern-day Turkey. So, like, you know, just look at Turkey on the map now and then just kind of go as far east as you can think without going, like, past, uh, like, uh, Iraq or anything like that. That's where he is at the moment when he's talking about this. And he's saying, look, we, won't, we, don't, we don't want you to think, like, we didn't face some tribulation, some persecution. There's some stuff going on. And we know that you've been going through things as well. See, Paul had this understanding, like this was a reality of life, not just for the Christian, but for anybody. You're going to experience difficulty. You know, even in Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time to weep, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a time to dance. Like Ecclesiastes, like we see the wisdom there that like, hey, it's going to happen. There's going to be a time for happiness and there's going to be a time for sadness in life. Even Jesus in John 16, he said, in this world, you will have troubles. Take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, that's, that's an incredible passage because Jesus gives us two promises. The first promise, um, not so incredible in the sense we really don't want to hear it, where he says, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But the greater promise, Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. See, Paul knew that. 
There, there was a sense that Paul functioned, I would imagine, each and every day under this understanding that there will be trouble in this life, but Jesus has overcome that. Not, not that Jesus will remove you from it, not that God will take it away, not that God will, as some people might, I think, wrongly think about this, they think that when they read this, they may think, okay, well, comfort means God's going to give us this tranquilizing dose of grace that just disallows us to feel the pain and, and, and discomfort that we're experiencing in this life. You know, sadly, there's a lot of people who are preachers who will preach that. That that's the Lord's role, is to take, you, to take that out of you, to, to remove that from you, to take that away, or that if you're experiencing that in life, you're really not where you need to be in Jesus. And, and so, like, there's a great, you know, there's, there's a promise that, like, it's going to happen. But the, the, the great reality is, is, like, God doesn't just give you a tranquilizing dose of grace so that you just walk through life numb to everything that happens around you. No, no, no. What he does through his spirit and what Paul is talking about here and what we see as well as in the life of other saints in the New Testament is it's not like it's a tranquilizing dose of grace for the Christian. It's more like a shot out of adrenaline that will strengthen weak knees and sagging spirits. That's what the Holy Spirit in us is doing. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's a verse where Paul's talking to the church. He's like, listen, there is no temptation to you that has not already been known by man. In other words, you're not going through anything new. This has already happened to someone else. And then he goes a little further to say, but here's the thing. Uh, God will redeem you from that. Like, God will move you through that. Doesn't say he's going to just, like, take everything away. He's going to move you through it, to the power of, through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so when pain and discomfort come in our life, you know, how we react is indicative of our theology. So if we react in a way that, you know, we, we, we see pain and discomfort happening in our life, we react in a way that it shuts us down, that it, that it makes us you know, kind of hole up to ourselves. We don't want to talk to anybody. We don't have anything to do with the church. We don't have anything to do with God because of X. That, that is indicative of your theology, of what you think about Jesus. Because what that says is that you, you may not think that Jesus is in control, that he's not omnipotent, he's not omniscient, he doesn't know everything, that he's not omnipresent, and he's not there with you now if you're in him, if you have the Holy Spirit. And so how we respond is indicative of our theology. And I think one of the greatest truths that comes out of this text is we read it is that really when it comes down to it, the greatest thing I think that Paul is teaching the people is that God can recycle your pain for something glorious. And that's an amazing truth to hold on in the midst of pain and suffering in this world that we face, whether it's from spiritual attack, persecution in our life, or whether it's from circumstances that surround us or circumstances that involve us. God can take that pain and God will recycle it for something glorious. Paul says it, verse 4. Who comforts us in all our affliction, check this out, so that we may comfort, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. In other words, us leaning into Jesus right now through this moment for the comfort that he only can provide in this situation, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the purpose of that is so that in return we might be able to comfort somebody else. Because let's face it, there's a lot of different people in this room and a lot of different stories and a lot of different situations, but more than likely, 
Someone sitting on the far end of the room to my right may be going through the same exact thing that someone sitting on the far end of the room on my left went through 10 years ago. And, and God shows us through his word that as we move through that, if we will lean into him, what he's going to do with that is he's going to take what we think is junk and he's going to recycle it into something useful. You know, when we took these cans and we got that measly $15 that we got and for all the hard work that we put in, they took them to a recycling center, they broke them down, they crushed them down, probably melted them and made the plane that they're flying on today. I don't know. Feels good about, some, you know, the idea about flying on a recycle plane made out of recyclable materials. I don't know if they do that. I wouldn't think they would. Hope they make it. But that's, but that's what they did to it. They made, they made something great out of it. Out of, out of a little can and, and other things that they added with it, they made something bigger and better than what they had before. And that's what Jesus will do in our pain if we lean in Him with the Holy Spirit within us, reminding us that He is the God of all comfort, and He will take our pain and recycle it for something glorious. My wife, um, she is an, an amazing lady. She... Um, there's things that happened in her life that I, that I can't empathize with, that I have no understanding of, of what she felt and what she went through. But when she was younger, um, her parents had gone through a divorce. And uh, a lot of the things that she had dealt with because of that were feelings of insecurity, not being wanted, feeling like it was her fault and feeling like, you know what, you know, what do I do now? You know, I, don't, I don't understand. And uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot more to the story, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into it, but I think one of the most amazing things is to actually see the truth of the Scripture played out in the, wife, in, in the life of my wife. That God will recycle your pain for something glorious. Because now, we'll, we'll have students you know, come up to me, you know, and, and they'll, say, you know, they'll talk about what they're going through, or talk about what's happening within their family, and, and they're really not sure how to respond, they're really not sure what's the next step, what to do, they're, you know, they're really not sure, what do I, what's my role in this, how do I, you know, where is Jesus in all this, and you know, I, like I say, I can't empathize with that, and I'm gracious for that, like I'm grateful that the Lord has, has, has done great things in, in my life as well, but you know, I say, hey, you need to really, you, you need to talk to my wife, and the reason that I point people to her in those situations is because she has understood that the pain and discomfort she has felt in life and the spiritual attack that comes along with that, God is now using it to do something glorious to strengthen the weak knees of students who are going through the same thing now. What a beautiful thing that we don't do this alone and that we are here to strengthen and comfort one another as they go through similar issues. Uh, a few months ago when we went to uh, the winter retreat with some of our students in the student ministry, uh, we listened to this guy um, uh, wh whose name was Rick. Now, Rick, uh, we're from Alabama. That's Rick. Uh, we're from Alabama, so don't hold that against us. Uh, we, but we love being here. Like we, this, is, this is home. Uh, but one thing we do miss is a, a radio show that played uh, syndicated out of Alabama uh, called The Rick and Bubba Show. Yes, Alabama, Rick and Bubba. Um, and just coo two cool Christian guys, and uh, just a fun radio show to listen to in the morning. And now we listen to it through our apps on the phone, and it's really neat and just funny guys. But about eight years ago, uh, Rick was speaking at this same exact conference eight years ago. And uh, as he got done speaking, he got a phone call from his wife, uh, and his wife was giving him some news about his two-year-old son, Bronner, that uh, Bronner had found his way into the swimming area and had fallen in the pool and drowned. And so Rick uh, told the guy that was in charge of the event, he's like, hey, I, I've got to go. And so they got him a plane, and he flew back to Birmingham, Alabama to be with his family during that situation. And, and, and I remember listening to all this happening eight years ago on the radio when they were talking, you know, re, 
you know, just kind of recalling a lot of the events and, and talking about what was going on. And as he was on the plane and he was flying into Birmingham, he just remembered looking out the window and thinking, Lord, what, what next? What am I supposed to do? You know, they had several other uh, children and, you know, he had to lead them through this and he had to lead his wife through this. And he just couldn't imagine. He's like, what, how in the world am I supposed to respond to this? So a couple of days later, they had the funeral for uh, Bronner. And uh, during the funeral, Rick got up and he shared the story of Bronner and what happened. And then he shared with the, the, the group in the room, and there was a church full of thousands of people. And he shared with them that, uh, that God was sovereign over this, that God was in control. And then after he shared that and shared the reality that he knew that for a fact, he went into the gospel and actually thousands of people came to know Jesus that day at the funeral because of the faith that this man had in God. And because of the work that Jesus wanted to do through the pain. And what's neat now is they still travel and they still talk and they'll share this story and more and more people are coming to know Jesus because of a two-year-old boy and the story of pain surrounding his family, but how God has brought something beautiful and glorious out of their pain. Now he's recycling that for something that lifts his name. You know, it's, an, it's an amazing thing to see when God does that, but um, I imagine... It's, it's a difficult thing, too, because when you're in it, it's probably a little bit more difficult to see. I was talking to some friends of mine. Um, they go to church here. Their name are Josh and Sarah Morgan. And we were talking to them. I was talking to them the other day about their son, Isaac. And uh, Isaac's got some, some, um, some mental deficiencies going on. And, you know, to make a long story short, I was sitting there listening to her. And I said, you know what? What do you do? Like how, how, do you, how do you deal with knowing that your son is, is going to grow up a lot differently than, than everyone else? And she says, you know what? I hold truth to, to John chapter 9 where Jesus is talking to his disciples and his disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And Jesus skipped right over that answer and he said, it's, it's not because of that, but it's so that the glory of God may be shown in his life. And uh, Sarah, Sarah and Josh were looking at me when we were talking about that. And she says, God, this is happening so that God will be glorified. And I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you say that? And, and so I, I shared with her what I was going to be talking about this Sunday. I was like, do you, I said, do, tell me if you see this played out in Scripture as well as the truth in your life. Like, God can use what you're going through and can recycle that for something glorious. And she said, absolutely, he's doing it now. A few weeks ago when she started a, 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 a Wednesday night grow group, another person walked in and said, I, we've got some, some difficult, we, got, we just got some difficult news about my daughter. And she was um, having a difficult time that week, and Sarah took her aside and she said, you know what, I was there, you know, not too long ago. Here's what I've learned about God and His goodness since then. God was recycling her pain for something glorious, to bring glory to the Lord. What, 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 God, what the devil intended for evil, God intends for good. I got one more story, and then I want to I wrap up with a really neat idea. Um, in uh, Paraguay, there is a, um, there's a big city landfill. And around this city landfill, there's, there's thousands of people that, that live near it, pretty much in it. And you'll see some of the people walking by, walking through it there in those photos. And if you've ever been to a third world country, you've probably seen something similar to this. Um, but uh, I read about it in, in, in a book that I'm reading recently called uh, The End of Me by Kyle Eidelman. He's a pastor, but he was talking about this and how 
that uh, you know, right here in the middle of the city, there, there's this dump that people live in, and every day they wake up to the smell of garbage. And you can imagine the hopelessness and the despair that would come with living every day in the reality, knowing that more than likely this will be your life. And so uh, a few years ago, there was a guy named Fabio Chavez. That's him up here on the next photo on the left side. Fabio, that's his name, decided, hey, let's do something with this. And so him and some buddies, they started scouring all the trash that they could find, and they started grabbing, in, they started grabbing pieces of trash that had the vague shape of instruments. So you'll see on the left, uh, Fabio crafted a guitar out of uh, some pieces of metal and some other uh, pieces of wood that he had found in the trash and made a guitar and started playing. And then after that, Fabio had the grand idea. He's like, you know what? What if, what if we started a band? Because I know that's the first thing you think when you go by the dump, you know, is like, hey, band. But that was his idea. He's like, let's start an orchestra. An orchestra. So they actually have something called the Landfill Orchestra in Paraguay. And so what they do is they make and fashion these instruments out of trash. And there's some more on the right with those two young men as well. And then they give them to the men. Fabio will give them to these kids and then they'll teach them music lessons. And so Fabio has been quoted as saying, the world sends us garbage, we send back music. And not only are we sending back music, but they're also they're giving these kids an opportunity in life to have a way out of the life that they think that they have to stay in. And, you know, the Lord does the same thing with us. Life sends us garbage, and what He wants to do through our pain and suffering is recycle that into something glorious. He wants, to, he wants us to be a symphony to the world for His gospel. And so, in closing, I, I want to point out one more thing. Because when I read this, I'm, like, this, is, this is great truth. Okay, this, like, like I, I get that, but I want to do something with it. And so, if you look at verse 7, what's interesting, you're like, okay, well, you know, great truth. God, God will recycle our pain for something glorious. Now what? Well, check this out. Our hope for you is unshaken. Notice, notice the word our. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comforts. And if you go a little bit further in verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. In other words, the discomfort we are experiencing, you are experiencing with us through Jesus because we're the church. But then when you share in our sufferings, guess what? You also share in our comfort because when God comforts us, you receive comfort for that knowing that God is in control of this situation. And it all happens within the context of a body of believers. There is no such thing as an isolated Christian. We are in this together. The pain that you're experiencing right now, someone's gone through that. And they can provide godly wisdom. The stuff you went through 20 years ago, there's somebody in this room that needs to hear what you have to share about that. And so our job from this, the application step, the what do you do next... Talk to somebody. Share. Be, be open about what you've gone through in life and what you're going through right now because there may be somebody that has some wisdom to, to give you from that situation. And even cooler than the fact that God can recycle our pain for something glorious is the fact that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 it says that if you've never been in Jesus before, if you've never committed your life to Him before, is that therefore any, there is now, I'm sorry, that anyone in Christ is a new creation. So God is not only in the business of recycling your pain, but if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, God is in the business of recycling you.
a new life, a new start, born again. And so for the Christian this morning, you can walk away with the truth knowing that God can do something with the pain you're experiencing. But for those that are in here that are not a believer, God wants to change you. He wants to recycle you. He wants to make you new. So if that's you this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and how it teaches. And God, for the profound truth that we see played out in this life, God, that how you give us the ability to walk through the pain of this life knowing that you're there with us and that although it seems like it will never end, it really is only temporary because ultimately, Father, either one, you're going to remove us from the situation as we walk through it with you. You're going to bring us on the other side of it or two eternally, God. You're going to, you're going to redeem us from it for forever. So for those in the room that trust in Jesus, what an amazing thing, Father, that you are bringing us one day to a place where there are no more tears, no more shame, no more crying, no more pain. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you know that um, you're not a believer, you don't know Jesus, you're not a Christian, you know, whatever, whatever label you want to place on yourself, basically it just all boils down to your confession in Jesus. If you're here before, you've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, you never believed in Him in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. If you've never been saved, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. God redeems you from the darkness. God gives you a new start. He gives you a fresh life, a new slate. And so if you're here this morning and you need that, I just want to lead you in a prayer. You can pray with me. You can say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for Jesus being raised from the dead three days later. Father, I want to turn from my sin and turn and follow you. Holy Spirit, come and live in me so that you may be glorified in my thoughts and my actions. And thank you for your sacrifice. In just a second, we're going to have a moment of response. And so if that was you, if you prayed with me, I'd love to talk to you about it. So we'll be down front. Uh, you can come and see us. Come and talk to us. Or if you've got another, another decision you want to make, maybe you want to join the church, or maybe you just need some prayer, some encouragement, we'll be here at the front. If you don't mind, y'all stand with us as we sing this final verse of response.